The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. 630 Chad Afternoon broadcasting from McEwen University this afternoon. We are in Building 8, uh, and it is the Christensen Family Center for Sports and Wellness. And it's uh, depending on what's going on just down the hallway. Um, I think there's basketball games going on in there. Someone's got a head massage right across because we have some. Hi, Mousy Browns. How are you? Some folks from Mousy Browns here uh, uh, treating the students as well. But fascinating to see all the, I'm going to call them kids because I feel like I'm 110 years old sometimes in here. But uh, all the students walking back and forth, getting to and from class. It's been a long time since I've been in uh, in college or in, in university. But it hasn't been for our next guest because he's one of the faculty members here. Uh, Jason Simington is... Uh, a faculty member here. He teaches photojournalism, uh, documentary pictures, film, photography, a photographer by trade. Jason, welcome. Thank you. Well, thanks for being here. Um, you um, have been here for uh, a few years now. A couple. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen the changes happen. You've seen the changes. Tell me about those changes and trying to stay on top of them, knowing full well what's happening in the business outside of these walls. Well, let's see. We used to be campus spread out across the entire city. Then the project was to bring us all downtown. Mm -hmm. And just recently, they built Building 11, uh, Allard Hall, which brings us here. And uh, from there, we ended up... Uh, kind of coming together and it's been really good. Yeah, it's been good. This new TV studio that everyone's talking yes. about that uh, opened its doors, we got underway today. Tell me what's been happening down there today. So uh, today we had a group of students produce their very first production, uh, which was a 30-minute opening intro or launch of the television studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, live speakers, uh, we had a live performance uh, and a lot of camera movements and miking and yeah, so we didn't take anything easy. We didn't go gently into that good night. Give us an idea. I mean, uh, you know, for a lot of times I think you go to university um, and you can take theory, you can sit in classes for a very long time. You might go to to college and maybe get a little bit more hands-on experience. And um, and I, I, I don't think it really matters what, uh, what, uh, what department that you're in, what you're taking in school. There can be a little difference in that instead of, you know, pounding your head against the wall for four hours a day in a, in a lecture theater. Oh, we don't pound our heads it's, it's pretty our nice. Our students love our lectures. <laughs> it's, yeah, let me tell you something. Um, it's it's pretty nice to be able to get your hands on. The importance of that, you're, you're bringing it together. How is that, uh, how is that being done? Uh, so, theory is a great thing because it gives you a foundation to build on, but theory doesn't put you out into the real world, mm-hmm. and I think that's been a comment throughout university for quite some time. And, again, our evolution has been from a community college up to a college and then up to a university. And what we see now is that we're not just focusing on students sitting and being successful within the classroom. We need to produce students, uh, facilitate students that are going to be exceptional outside these walls. So the hands-on aspect of the television studio, for example, gives us the ability to work with them theoretically in a classroom, then have them think about what their goals are Mm -hmm. as they get into the studio to first start off with just learning the equipment. But our hope is that by the time they're in their third and fourth years, they're going to be producing and directing their own spots that are not just 
you know, you're going to look at them and go, okay, that's a student production, but something that is going to exist at the level of news. Or- you have you have talked in different articles that I've read where you've been quoted um, in talking about, you know, kind of talk, you know, giving that that bit of foundation, but not not saying this is the way it has to be because you want to see you want to kind of give the kids wings and say okay go learn and figure it out yourself talk about the importance of that ah the importance of failure (laughs) so as you failing forward failing forward so a lot of people talk about this idea of failure and one of the things is is that the the challenge for students is they have two thoughts first if they fail, they have to take the course again. Second, it costs money to take the course again. So if you can give them that idea that you're not going to, and for my classes, I'm not talking about others, but for my classes, what I like to do is give them that idea that they can push themselves to a boundary. And if it doesn't work, I want to recognize the work that they made to get there because that's how life is, right? Like, I mean, you've, we've been talking previously mm-hmm. about the experiences we've had. You don't go into that experience knowing what to do. You have to go into that experience having again, that foundation of, I've been successful doing other things like this, and this is just another thing I'm going to be successful at. If you hold the students to a rubric or something that gives them a map to that success, that for me is a challenge because if you're outside in those environments that we know are mm-hmm. not, let's say, hostile, <laughs> they're not, yay, you tried, uh, you have that sense that there could be problems. So when the students, you know, their mortgages aren't on the line, they're not going to lose their livelihood, why not let them push and try something and have a total disaster at it and learn from that disaster? So when that happens, or when it has happened, um, because we've all, let's be real, I, I, I think, you know, probably every single person listening right now has gone through something like that. Um, what do they tell you about the lessons that they learned? Uh, you know, probably better, you know, if, if they followed you and followed a rubric or something like that and said, okay, well, you went and got your 90 or whatever, but it doesn't show the creativity, it doesn't show the originality, you know, that's, I, I think I'd rather take the, the creativity and the originality. Uh, I would too. Uh, students come at me with two different kind of mindsets, it seems. There are students who want to know what I want. Mm. And they get frustrated because I won't tell them because <laughs> I'm not their end goal. It's, you know, the marks, no one comes up and asks you what you got in your first year of university unless you're doing a master's. And <laughs> even then they only ask you about your third and fourth year, really. But the other students love the freedom to go out and try things on their own. So it's kind of facilitating both sides of that. Students who aren't really kind of self-starters. Mm-hmm but also reining in the students who are like, just go, right? So it's that balancing act to know what your student's going to do and then kind of facilitate their learning around that. You need to tell us about this incredible uh, experience for you and for some of your students that uh, you went to Russia recently. Yes, we were there last year from the end of May until the beginning of July. Wow. So 27 days. We were supposed to be there for 12 days and then some things changed and we ended up there for 27 days uh, in Siberia, in Irkutsk. Uh, so yeah, the experience is incredible. We're dealing with uh, a project, or we're on a project called the Baikal Archaeology Project, which is actually done out of the University of Alberta. And we have a connection here with Dr. Hugh McKenzie through our archaeology project. And they wanted to look at the dissemination of information from archaeology. And they talked to our communications department. And then they talked to me and said, would you be willing to take four students over to 
to Siberia and bring them back. And I'm glad to say we got over there and we brought, and I brought, brought them, them back. back. Yeah. <laughs> but what were you doing when you're there? Are you documenting it? Are you making, are you doing reports? Are you making a documentary? Are we you are, making a fil- feature film? What are you doing? We are making two documentaries. So our first documentary is actually on a massacre that happened in the early Bronze Age. And I better get this right because the archaeologists <laughs> will be listening. Uh, <clears throat> with that they have found a burial site called Shimonka 2. And in Shimonka 2, it's a mixture of early Neolithic burial, mm. but then an intrusive burial of early Bronze Age. So you're looking at uh, two different ages, the bronze being earlier. And the invasive burial is they buried uh, young men you know, inside this burial mm. of early Neolithic. And what's kind of amazing about this is when you're sitting there, you I mean, there's a lot of misconception of archaeology. Like, we get Indiana Jones, of Lara course, Croft, yeah. and so forth. So, when we're there, we're looking at how to portray them with uh, a educational aspect but also an entertainment aspect to it to make the you know make our audience enjoy what they're seeing so we started off they dug a two foot by five foot trench uh and the first day we didn't see anything i think we found a a fraction of a skull and a bit of a bear skull and some other things and one of the lead archaeologists dr hugh mckenzie came over to me and he said so what are you going to do if we don't find anything And I said, we're going to make a documentary about you not finding anything. (laughs) And he said, okay. And then the next day, uh, there were six bodies that were unearthed and all with a, a... trauma attached to them. So we deal with uh, Dr. Rick Schulting out of Oxford University in England, and he's a trauma expert, and also uh, a few others uh, from different universities. And he was telling us about how each body kind of had suffered this trauma. So 18-year-old to 20-year-old men eight to ten year old boys with multiple arrow wounds. So how much experience did the kids have, uh, did the students have with um, the cameras, the audio equipment before they went? (laughs) So this group was picked in the end of March. Uh, We got our cameras in the I guess kind of middle of May, end of (laughs) April. (laughs) Uh, We started them up, made sure that they were all working Uh, and then we got on a plane and flew 36 hours and put them back together and away we went. What an incredible experience for them to be able to be doing this in school. I was saying, you know, for for most, I would say a lot of journalists out there getting to do a documentary is, uh, you know, you're lucky if it ever happens to you and these guys are doing it in school. Yeah, well, um, the woman who won for Best Short Documentary last night, the the director who Mm -hmm. who won for that, talked about in 1970-something, Robert Kappa gave, she won an award from Robert Kappa and then she said, you know, it took her this long to get to make her documentary. And when she said that, I thought, you know, this is incredible because the students are making documentaries now and the technology is allowing us a lot more kind of creative freedom to give them this trial by fire. Whereas before, if it was shot on film, they need to know that technical side of it. Now, that doesn't mean they don't need to know the technical side now. They do. The The challenge for them is to realize what needs to be done at that point in time and then execute. Jason, what happens with it, with it now? Is it 
you know, people is more more to be shot. When when will it or will it ever be all together? And will it ever be shown? <laughs> yes. So we are going back uh, again the end of May until the start of July. Yep. And from there, we're filming the end of the first documentary, and we're starting kind of the mid place of the second. The second documentary is on a field school of archaeologists that are going up to an area in northern Siberia. Uh, so Lake Baikal, North Lake yeah. Baikal. And from there, they are going to start filming uh, students digging. And what has been kind of said, because it's fun, archaeologists hypothesize lots of things <laughs> and then tell me that they can be wrong and that uh. doesn't really matter. Uh, and so in that, it was quite comical because we're going up to a place where they said there could be up to 250 bodies oh, buried. Wow. So it could be a field day or it could yeah. be absolutely, you know, us sitting there watching people digging dirt. What's it like for the instructor to still be learning? <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I don't think you ever stop in this this business. It's uh, the technology changes, the ideas change, and someone comes out with some new theory. And the students have become more. They they have access to information at a at a level that I didn't have yeah. going through. Like I mean, I'll mention Encyclopedia Britannica and yeah, say, like, you know, what? you'd like if you were lucky, your family actually bought one. <laughs> So that you could go into a room and get the 37 volumes out. Uh, but now, I mean, their phones are more powerful than the Absolutely. early computers. They will figure out theories and ask questions about things that are now. And if you aren't ready or prepared for that, there's, you know, having been a student <laughs> for a while, uh, you kind of don't have that same sense of awe of your professor when they're not at the level that you're asking the question for. And well, as I said, I think journalism is um, is in all levels, whether it's, you know, it's reporting documentary work, whatever it is, is more important now than it ever has been. Um, and, you know, this is an incredible experience for them to, and hopefully, you know, gets that seed planted even more to continue to push forward. Yeah, well, they, uh, I can't remember the name of the site that just launched, but their tagline is, we do the research to tell the truth. <laughs> and I thought that's interesting that a journalistic site has to come out and say we're truthful. Yeah. And yeah, this is a turbulent time for journalism. And that honesty, that transparency, all of those things that we look back and think, Walter Cronkite didn't mm. have an agenda. Yeah. Like he read the news, he told you, and you made up your own mind. Yep. It wasn't he came out to direct you, yep. that group of people, to go somewhere. And I think what's happening is, in some ways, news reporters are kind of losing that ability just to do that based on very, very, like, multiple different kind of variables. Jason, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I look forward to, to hear more about the, the work that you're doing, and I can't wait to see the finished product on this documentary. It's thank you so much. absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's uh, 2.53 as we continue broadcasting from McCune University.